Welcome to the Bible Connect Podcast. This podcast is your Bible study meets clubhouse conversations, where we gist and have heartfelt conversations as we expand our knowledge of God and His love for us through the study of the Bible. Join the conversation and connect with us on social media. Welcome to this week's edition of Bible Connect. Um, so yeah, we, we've got a lot of people coming to us just saying that they wouldn't be able to make it. So yeah, um, just a quick, quick update on everything that's going on. So yeah, for the first 15 minutes, guys, we would be interceding for each other. I just feel like we're a family, a wealth, we're going to be one. And you know, we should be able to pray for one another. I don't want you to have like, I don't know, some tests or some exams the next day and we're not able to pray with you. Um, so the first 15 minutes would just be for us to chat and pray with one another. So yeah, just like we did today. Um, we're still sticking to an hour, so it's 7.30 to 8.30. However, we've got a lot of people from last week um, just sort of mentioned the time and sort of mentioned like, you know, it might be too short and all of that. But um, we're going to stick with an hour for now. However, if you had a burning question that we are not able to answer, um, we would answer it for another 15 minutes. And if you guys wanted to stay to hear the answer to somebody's question, you can. So, yeah, so we've got 15 minutes to answer like burning questions that, you know, we can't answer next week. You know, someone needs an answer to urgently. Um, what else? That's it, really. So, yeah, let's dive right into it because that's why we'll take so much time. Again, we're continuing literally from last week where we stopped. I don't want to be like a teacher and be like, what did we do last week? So I'm just going to go on. Um, so last week we were talking about um, is salvation guaranteed and we had married. Guys, if we hear noise, yeah, please, sorry, just ignore it. There's a lot of things going on in our house, like renovation. So I'm going to shut up really soon. Um but anyway, we're talking about is salvation guaranteed last week? And I remember we stopped literally, we, we asked the question, um, if sin, if we can live without sin, and if we as man, as man can do without sinning, and a lot of people responded um, via chat. Um, and basically we had Peter taking us through the whole process of, we are meant to live like Jesus. So I guess the question should be, how did, how did Jesus do it? And I think he was trying to answer that question that way. And we had an, a very inter interesting question last week, which was, um, what was that question again? Uh, was Jesus human, human? And that went on for a while. <laughs> but yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so yeah, basically, Peter will be continuing from last week. Um, guys, if you want to comment, if you want to ask questions, whatever, you can always use the chat. The chat is open for everybody. And at, at any point, if you have a question, just raise it and we will try and answer it so yeah peter and toby you guys go on uh, over to you peter you can go for it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like the setup it was like yeah i, I saw you i saw you unmute your mic i was like oh definitely it's good <laughs> uh cool anyways how's everyone doing i'm trusting everyone is uh we've had a good week um and uh, yeah, it's almost Friday, so we're, we're almost there. Um, so uh, thanks, Ife. Thanks, Toby, for the setup. Um, I, um, I honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but I suppose once we get into it, the nerves will get, we we die down. Um, but where we were, where we stopped last week was around. Um, it, it was centered. I can't remember exactly how the question was phrased, but it was centered around. You know, as believers, can we on this side of eternity um, be sinless? You know, and we kind of went to that whole conversation and, you know, someone and they were I think we were split 50 50. You know, some people believed, you know, and, and, and it was kind of right. Um, on, on one hand, the Bible does say that, you know, be holy as I am holy. And so the what we could infer from that is that if God places that demand on us then there is a possibility of us being you know sinless and you know the caution we threw out last week um and by the way it's a we're just in here so like you know the whole idea of this was that it was birthed out of us just in and saying hey we can 
put this online and invite our wider circle of friends to join and contribute and iron sharpens iron and all of that good stuff. So please feel free to jump in, type in the questions, you know, um, raise a hand and ask questions, whatever. Um, we're all sort of sharpening each other's. Um, and so, um, yes, if God's, uh, if the Bible says, you know, be holy as I'm holy, you know, by inference, then we can draw that um, on this side of eternity that you know, there's a possibility of us being sinless. And I suppose the caution I was throwing out last week and hence why I suppose I was lumbered <laughs> we started this week was um, that it would be, we should not be too narrow in our understanding of what holiness means, you know, is because um you know, the example I gave was the first introduction introduction of holiness to mankind was when God created, did all of creation, and on the seventh day took a break and said, and blessed and called this day holy. And so the first example of holiness that we get is God taking a break and you know, and, and him saying rest. That you know, and so rest in a lot of ways is the, perhaps one of the most holiest things that we can do. A discussion for another day, but it was, you know, and so it's a case where when we sort of only look at holiness and equate that to, or, or take a very narrow view of holiness to mean sinlessness, then we are perhaps missing the big picture of what God was trying to say, you know, of what that means. And so, um, and that's where we kind of ended, you know, the conversation last time. And, and what it brings us back to the conversation, the, the question in terms of, you know, um, can we be sinless on this side of eternity? Um, and I would sort of talk about it in, you know, gist form, um, and then we can re make reference to the Bible and, and go into it. Here's what I was kind of, you know, we didn't have time to go into it last week, but, you know, you see it in Romans chapter six, you know, verses one and goes and say stuff like, you know, what shall we then say? You know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Um, and then it goes in the next, in the same breath, in the, in the next verse to say, certainly not. Um, how should we who have died to sin um, live any longer in it? And so um, this question, first, a few things I'm going to point out, you know, is that this question we're asking is not something that is new age or this, you know, that is, you know, we're asking. This is something that all the way to like the earliest church, it was something that they were asking. And the answers to this question were already provided since then. So it's a case where for me, it, there is some comfort to say, actually, this is not something that is, that um, that becomes a thing because I am now more mature or, you know, great in my Christian faith. It's something like the whole, you know, the Christian, um, um, good music, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the the whole of you know Christian um, uh, Christianity have been sort of grappling with this thing, and the, uh, but the answer is actually there, um, and so we'll sort of go into it. Um, and so what I did say last week was that you know Romans is one of those books in the Bible that kind of gives us a really good view of what Christ came to do. Like it really goes into detail and. Paul, who is the author, kind of starts all the way from, you know, the beginning of times, um, brings himself into the picture and even talks about what is to come and such like. So, the you know, it's Romans is a really rich book in terms of giving us a, both a panoramic view of the Christian faith and what Jesus came to do. Um, and also, you know, our you know, what we enjoy as beneficiaries of the cross. So, you know, he starts off, you know, in, in chapter one, he talks, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He goes in chapter two, talking in the same chapter one, but also in chapter two, you know, talking about sin and, you know, how, you know, some people have been offered off to um, their own minds and, you know, all of that. And then in chapter three, he goes on to talk, you know, for all have sin and cause of the glory of God. And, and so it really builds a very gradual picture. Um, and, and then in, in, in chapter five, six, seven, and eight, where he now goes into, I suppose, where we are and perhaps where we would center or focus our discussion today. Um, a couple of things to mention. First of all is, um, and I'll just trade out there and we can, you know, I'll trade out there that 
I think for lack of the interpretation of what sin is in the book of Romans has led to a lot of this confusion in the sense that sin can be a verb and also be a noun. When we look at sin as purely verb um, in terms of an action and what we do, um, and also um, um, when we look at sin in terms of a noun as a state, those are, they have two different meanings. Sin is mentioned, you know, I did a count just before we, you know, came on last week and I did a count and it was like about 48 times. And out of those 48 times, majority of the times that sin is mentioned, it's used as a noun. And it makes a whole lot of difference in the sense that, you know, let's, you might as well get into it. Romans 6 verse 1, which is one of the, where we go into and say, you know, it says, it is, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound certainly not um how should we who die to sin live any longer in it if you look at romans 6 verse 1 and look at it as a verb it has a completely different meaning to when you look at it as a noun so it says in verse 1 of chapter 6 what shall we then say shall we continue in sin that grace may abound the actual translation for it or, or the correct um um, um, article for sin there it's a now it says shall we continue in this state so that grace may abound it's different meaning to for you to say shall we continue sinning as an active verb um that grace may abound they're two different things and so i suppose what has sort of passed down from generation is that when we look at it purely in term when we incorrectly translate it um and not sort of reading in context then we kind of get ourselves in this whole mess of, or, you know, as a believer, you shouldn't be saying, you know, all of this. And, and that's what we're going to get into. So in this context here, it is looking at as a now. And, but here's the response, which I find quite, um, which confirms that, but also it's, um, you know, like I said, this is the answer to this question is in this passage, right? Because if this, uh, if this has been a question that they've been asking since day one, what was the answer that they preferred to it? You know, what was the answer? Um, and the answer is in there. And it says, it, the, the answer wasn't, you know, the, the question is, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? The answer wasn't that, you know, guys, stop it. You know, we need to work on this same thing. The answer was a definite response. It says, certainly not. Like, it's not possible. It, it just is impossible. Like, and, and so when you look at it and, you know, just spend time meditating and saying like, actually, then why is it that I'm still grappling with sin? In, and, and we'll come to it in later, because, you know, Paul answers that question in the later verses of chapter six. But the answer to the first question is, you know, shall we continue seeing the grace may abound? And a lot of times, if you grew up in Christian environment, you know, this is used out of context, you know, it's used in terms of, you know, the act, the like a verb, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound in? And, you know, we certainly not. And so when I see sin in me, I feel like maybe my salvation is not, you know, complete, or maybe I'm not dying to the flesh, or maybe there's something wrong with me. And because the Bible says certainly not, but it's like, listen, the way it is, is that shall we continue to sin that grace may abound is, shall we, and I think the message Barbie does a good job of explaining it the best, although it does misinterpret um sin so let me see if i can pull it up here's what the message bible says um although like i said in mr Pierce, the first one the message bible says in um, romans 6 1 so what do we do so what do we do keep on sinning so god can keep on forgiving i should hope not if we've left the country where sin is sovereign how can we still live in our old house there Right. And so it's like, listen, if you've left this whole, if you're no longer in the house, how can you still be in the house? And so when you look at it in, you know, in the, look at it in, you know, other versions of you that are perhaps more accurate in translation is that um, if I have, if God has transformed and taken that sin nature, right. And that's what it is like God, what Jesus did was he delivered us from that. And, and we, and we might as well get into it, you know, now, because if you go on in that same chapter, um, six, it goes on to verse 11. Um, 
maybe I should just read it and I'll be very quick if you don't mind. Um, what shall we say then? Shall we continue saying that grace may abound? Certainly not. How should we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us um, as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into that, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should work in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly uh, we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Um, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'll just pause there. Because here's what the, you know, like like I said, Paul was trying to answer this question that has, you know, dogged his teaching right from day one. But he goes on in verse 11 and says, in this, it says, you know, King James Version says, likewise, reckon yourself, you know, in other versions says, in the same manner as Jesus died to sin, you yourself died to sin. It behooves us to understand how did Jesus die to sin then? Because it says, in the same way he died to sin, you yourself, you know, count yourself dead to sin. But here's the question, you know, it is like, basically, the same way Jesus died to sin is the same way we've died to sin. But the question is this now, how did Jesus die to sin? Because the Bible says in three part, you know, in three in areas, it says, Peter says it in, I think in 1 Peter 2, 22, it says, he did no sin. John goes on to say that in him was no sin. Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he knew no sin. So how is it that someone who did no sin, knew no sin, and in him was no sin, died to sin? Because the answer to that question is what helps us to understand how we are dead to sin. Make sense? No? If it doesn't make sense, please just tell me to come back, ask questions, whatever. Because it says, like, you know, in the same manner as Jesus died to sin, you yourself reckon yourself dead to sin. We need to understand the way Jesus died to sin because he never committed any sin of his own. He didn't even have sin in him. He didn't even have, he didn't even have knowledge of sin. That was, but Bible says he died to sin. And so for time's sakes, I'll just put it out, you know, say like, what did Jesus die to then? He died to the guilt, the condemnation and the punishment of sin. That's what he died to. Because Bible says, you know, that, you know, God took all of our sins and put it on Jesus. And that's what he died to. Because the verses between verses 2 and verses 11, we're talking about his death, you know, and how he died and, and all of that. And it says that we were, were dead with him. And so we should count ourselves resurrected in him. And so it's a case where, and then it now goes to say, in the same manner as he died, you count yourself dead to sin. And it's until we understand that, that the next verse now makes sense because it says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. And so here's what we're trying to do. Here's, you know, I'll zoom past and get to the point. It's like, here's me today. I'm a Christian, but I still find things in me that are ugly, that are, you know, that I'm like, man, I suppose I thought I'd die to these things. I thought, I, you know, I'd go rid of these things, you know, and then I read the Bible and it's like, oh, you should be dead to sin. You should, and it's like, you know, and the question we asked last week is, you know, can a Christian still sin? You know, is it possible for Christians to still sin? You know, and sometimes we get condemned when we find sins. Like, oh, as a Christian, I shouldn't be sinning. It's like, but here's what, as a Christian, the truth is we can still sin. We can still commit that action of sinning. But what did Jesus do for us? He died to sin in terms of the guilt, the condemnation, the punishment of sin. Here's something I found when I was kind of preparing for this. It's like, um, let me read it more accurately. I made a note of it. Uh, and I do apologize. I didn't have time to prepare slides. So, if, you know, but if you want those, I can send them afterward. It's like, um, we sin because we have a sin nature. We do not have a sin nature because we sin. Let me just say it again. I'll say it slowly. We sin, i.e. I do commit sin because of the, my nature of sin. However, 
I do not have a nature of sin because of what I do. Let me use an example. Um, an insect, um, uh, check a butterfly. The general progression of a butterfly is that, you know, it goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. I don't know what the stage is. I can't remember. I didn't, uh, yeah, I can't remember my biology and all of that. But from a caterpillar stage, it goes into butterfly. That's his nature, right? And so it, 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 it goes through that whole process because of its taxonomy, right? That's his nature. The fact that something can, you know, uh, metamorphosize that way doesn't make it an insect, doesn't make it a butterfly. Does it make sense? No? So if, uh, if, if uh, uh, a, a butterfly cannot go back to being a caterpillar because it has changed its nature. And so when you go back in verse one and Paul is trying to answer the question, shall we continue to sing that grace may abound? And they say, certainly not. What, it, what Paul is trying to, in, what he's saying is this, if your nature has changed, you can't, that's, God has dealt with that nature and you have to reckon yourself dead to that nature of sin, right? It doesn't mean that I can't still go out and sin and, and because until I understand that, and I really accept that, that's what now helps me to deal with the, you know, the temptation of sin on a day-to-day -day basis, all right? Let me, let me go a little bit forward and come back. Let me go a little bit forward because, and I'll come back um, to this before, and it might help answer some questions. Bearing in mind, Paul, like I said, Paul was the author of Romans. Chapter six is talking about this whole sin nature and all of that. In verse 14, it says, you know, and, and, and sin shall not have dominion over you because you're under grace, um, but uh, not under law. Then you get into chapter seven, where Paul now, this is the same person who wrote the, you know, one third, um, three quarters of the New Testament. Chapter seven, Paul now goes into this whole thing where he's talking about um, the things I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Um, who would deliver me from this, you know, body of flesh or wretched man that I am? Who? So here's the thing. There's the same person that is talking about in the previous chapter in the same breath, right? And, and you know, we're in, in, you know, we have it in chapters now and all of that. But when he was doing it, he was writing it. It was a letter he was writing. There's the same person that is saying that, hey, guys, um, God has delivered from our sin nature, you know. And then it goes in the next, you know, paragraph. Let's call it the next paragraph. And he's saying, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I find, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And then who will deliver me from this, you know, body of flesh? And and who who you know who who will oh wretched man that I am, right? And then he goes in the first verse of chapter eight, and his response to it is, you know, um, okay, maybe I should read it. Um, chapter seven, verse twenty-four. Oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Um, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1, which is quite popular in Christian circles. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Here's the same person who, you know, a few paragraphs ago was a guy saying that certainly not. Certainly not. We who have died to sin, how can we live in? And then in the next breath, in the next paragraph, he's talking about um, the things I want to do, I don't find myself doing. The things I, don't, that I said I'm not going to do, that I find myself doing. Who is going to deliver me from this body of, um, this body of flesh? Oh, wretched man that I am. And so you see the same struggle, even in Peter. That it's not Peter, Paul. Um, in that... He recognizes, he has revelation, God-given revelation to say, guys, um, this is how we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin. For sin shall not have dominion over us because we are under grace and not alone. And then he goes in the same breath and now documents his own personal struggle. And then, but he doesn't end there. He ends also with the answer, which is um, consistent with what he says in chapter six. Here's his question. Um, who would deliver, you know, um, who would deliver me from this wretched body and flesh? And it goes in chapter eight and says, thanks be to God. Um, sorry, chapter, you know, um, says, I thank God that through Jesus Christ, um, that with my mind, I serve the, you know, um, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve spirit. And then verse, chapter eight, verse one, it says, um, there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's read a little bit slowly. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What he doesn't say, and perhaps maybe it's just me, but what we interpret that to be most times is this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who do not sin. That's perhaps how we interpret it. But what he's saying is this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say there is no condemnation for those who do not fall into sin. The question is this, right? You have to ask, and you know, the question you have to ask yourself is this. If I did not sin, why should there be any form of condemnation in the first place? Because condemnation should be, you know, if you sin, you get condemned. But what Paul says is, is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is where the power of God has been revealed. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, in chapter one of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation, you know, where the glory of, you know, God's grace is revealed from great, from, from um, uh, glory to glory by, I'm, I'm sort of misquoting now. Um, let, me, let me be, sorry. Uh, for in it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. I bring this back home to say like this, even the author of this book of Romans, the one that God gave this revelation to, the one that wrote three um, quarters of the Bible, of the New Testament, helps us to understand that this is not a, a novel question that is just, you know, that we're grappling with. It's something that has happened ever since. And his answer to this is this, in the same way as Jesus died, we should count ourselves dead to sin. We should count ourselves dead to the nature of sin. Um, how did Jesus die? He died to the guilt, the condemnation, and the punishment of sins. That doesn't mean that in my flesh today, I can be tempted and I can do something wrong. It doesn't mean that things will not enter my mind, you know, thoughts and stuff like that will not enter. But here's what, you know, he goes on and documents that same struggle. Here's the answer to that. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is why the grace of God is so magnified that what God did was that he took all of our sins, both past, present, and future. And it's not just the sins that we confess. Every single sin that we can ever commit, took all of that, put it on Jesus, punished him for it, poured the condemnation on, on Jesus, poured the guilt on it to the point that, you know, he exhausted his anger on it. And that's why we can now say that sin will not have dominion over us because we're not under law where, you know, law is you punish, you, you do something wrong and get punished. But sin will not have dominion over me because I am under grace because God's grace has taken all of my sins, put it in Jesus, and now I'm under grace and there is therefore now no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. I have waffled on for too long. And I know there are questions. If I, um, please go on. And I don't even know if I'm making sense because I can't see most of your faces, but I trust that God's spirit would bring revelation and do his thing. So no, you definitely did make sense. I think essentially what 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 I believe that you're trying to say is um the question is not would I still continue to sin because yeah we can but the the what we should focus on or what jesus has done for us is essentially taking away the guilt that we feel um from sinning so i guess my question is as christians and now uh, toby you can bond um should we be focused or should we worry about the action of sin does that make any sense like should i should i uh, be careful um not to say like should 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 i be worried about my actions like my act or should i just let just leave and not really put that into consideration at all or should i should i should that be something that i'm conscious about so are you dipping in can i tag you in the uh, uh, do you want me to keep going <laughs> no it's, you can go first if you like as well no no you go ahead go ahead no i was gonna, what was i going to say i think that question is interesting because and i like i like when peter went to the beginning of sin itself and this is the one thing to remember so in the time of adam adam sinned and then we saw cain was warned about sinning as well 
But as we go on through the Bible, before we get, when we even go through Abraham to Joseph, to, to Jacob to Joseph, until we get to Moses, we don't really hear much about sin or about laws of sin itself. And then from what that Romans 5 was telling us, it says, Romans 5.20, it says that God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And why am I saying that? I'm saying that to compare because we've done a comparison of how our, our new confidence in Christ makes us look at sin in the way Christ sees it. But I think another way to look at it is the way Abraham saw it as well. Because there's a passage in Abraham that said, that called there's a passage in Hebrews that calls Abraham the father of faith and speaks about how the righteous shall live by faith, how the just shall live by faith. And that's what applies to us. We are the just who live by faith because of the work of Christ. So when you talk about whether we sin or not, um, how much our sin affects us, it's in the way you look at Abraham. Abraham sinned. We saw everyone knows that famous story where he lied about his daughter about I'm sorry, not about his daughter, about Sarah being his sister when she wasn't his sister. And yet he did things like that. And Abraham went also went to go and marry Hagar as well. And he did such things, yet he was called righteous. Why? Because his righteousness was by faith and God generally saw him as a righteous person. So if we went in sin today... I'm sorry, to, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask a question quickly for yeah. the people here from what you've just said. So you said that um, his... Um, He's, it was righteous by faith. What does that mean? What does that mean? So yeah. here it is. So I can kind of go to the passage. Or is that yeah? Can I, yeah, we might find it easier. I, I can give just so you don't think I'm just making up stories, guys. <laughs> Abraham righteous by faith. So basically, God. If if you know the story of Abraham, Abraham was an old man, obviously, and he had no he had no child, or he had no child with Sarah, and Sarah was an old woman, and God told Abraham I'm going to give you a child at the old age of 100 or so or 90 or so and Abraham believed God for that and because Abraham believed God God accredited that belief and that faith in him as righteousness so God said because you believe me in my sight you are righteous and then when Paul Paul goes to speak about that he's explaining to the people of Hebrew who are so used to following laws he's telling them we're righteous the same way Abraham was righteous. Abraham wasn't righteous because of what he did on a day-to-day -day basis. He was righteous because God declared him righteous because of the faith he had in God. God isn't coming to tell us that we're going to have children. Oh, he isn't telling us that we're going to have children at 100. No, what he's coming to tell us today is that Christ came and died for us, for our sins, so that those of us that believe in him will have eternal life. When we believe that message, we're believing God the same way Abraham believed God, and therefore we are made righteous the same way Abraham was made righteous as well. And I think that's what Paul is explaining here. But because when you, when you say something like that, someone can say, okay, can I just go and sin and do what I want then? And that's what Paul says in, in chapter six, verse one. It says, well then, shall we go and sin until that God shows us more and more of his wonderful grace? No, it's, that's not it. What it is, is that just as Abraham was made righteous by faith, we are made righteous by faith. But when, when we see Abraham's life, we see that he lives a life in close relationship with God in close fellowship with God and even more today we have the Holy Spirit and the scripture says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of just sin judgment and righteousness itself so when we have the Holy Spirit in us that convicts us of those things it doesn't bring condemnation it doesn't bring fear but rather or not it stirs up a desire for us to walk in our way with God it stirs up a desire for us to first of all to be thankful if we if we fell into sin we'd be thankful for the grace of God that was there for for the fact that despite me being it reminds us that again we're not righteous about what we do but we're righteous about what christ did and then secondly when we sin we also we're also trusting in god's faithfulness that the fact that we believed in what his son did for us he will wash us of that sin so when so your question again your question was how i think your question was how do we feel about sin what was your question Effie? no so basically i'm saying and i was going to ask it again should we be conscious of of the act of sin so should i should i want to walk should i be conscious of the things that i do or should i just go on leaving you know should i should I, I believe we should but not in a way that condemns us i believe because sin is missing the mark sin is not conforming to the image of christ and i believe that anytime we are there are times there are a lot of times we sin during the day that we don't even know is oh we don't conform to the image of christ that's the definition of peace and not conforming to the image of, of god or conforming to the moral conduct of god there are a lot of times we don't do that 
but I think that when we do, when we are, when the Holy Spirit or our conscience does remind us of that, it is an opportunity for us again to be conscious of that. I don't think it's something we should ignore, but again, not in a way that condemns us, but in a way that stirs up a desire for us to be more like Christ, and then also in a way that glorifies God for His mercies of our life. So in that way, be conscious. The chat is the chat is so quiet to this today. <laughs> today, no one is saying nothing. I would ask the same question again. If anybody. Um, participating and want to jump on please do but I think Marit wanted to jump on so the question still remains the same I think what Toby's saying is that yes I should be I should be conscious of the way I live um in terms of the act of sin um Mary, what, what do you say should we be conscious of of you know the act of sin yeah I think I mean Toby d- does answer the question very well in saying like so more I think what we should be more conscious of as space to focusing on where we fall short we should be more cautious of where we are we should kind of look towards who we're trying to be as opposed to looking at who we are not if that makes any sense like so many times we look at oh I've done this as opposed to I could be this does that make sense and so if we if we are I mean once we're saved the, the, the purpose of being saved is to be transformed you know like Romans 12 says there's there's this transformation process that goes from my heart was like this, right? And for you to be transformed, it takes it takes a stage. So in the in, in the stage of you being transformed, I don't expect that you're going to be faultless. Like, you know, I, I, I used to hear this teaching when I was younger a lot, where you're like, oh, when, once you give your life to God, you will no longer do this, you will no longer do that. I don't think that's particularly true, but I feel like your desire to want to do those things would become almost like so you'll be so disinterested in doing those things because now you're trying you are becoming something that you were no longer before and so yeah living a holy life is not trying to be like oh I don't want to do this I don't want to do that I don't want I don't want to do this but as opposed to this is what God has called me to do and so when you're living in the way that oh God has called me to live this way you automatically just don't do things that are beneath that calling that you've been called to do if that, if like you understand what I'm trying to say. Another thing I wanted to kind of point towards, and I know everybody will have different school of thoughts in this, but I believe that when Paul was saying in First Corinthians, um, Romans 7, that the things I used to do before, um, I used to, um, I, I, what, the things I want to do, um, I struggle to do them and I fall short. I don't believe that he's, that's a testimony of his now faith life. I believe that that was a testimony of his um, Jewish belief life because the, you have to understand that these people that you're talking about, the, 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 the book of Romans was written for these people that already had the strict legalism in their doctrine. They were very legalistic. So it was like, okay, even though we had all these laws, right? This is my, this is my understanding of it. He's saying that even though we, yeah, I had all these laws, even though I had all these good things that you know, God had asked us to do because of the law, which really the law is telling you how how much you can't do these things it's like I want to do them but I can't do them I fall short from doing those things that's the testimony of his life and it was like well thank God for Jesus now that is the testimony of his new life and I know that many times Christians we use that scripture as oh even Paul fell short I don't feel that that was a testimony of after he has given his life to Jesus or after he has surrendered his life to Jesus however that being said um, when Peter did address the issue of state of sin and actions of sin, many times we always define um, sinning from just a particular action as opposed to the state in which where you live your life from. So if you live your life continuously from a, from a, from a fallen state, then I, in my opinion, I don't really feel like you, you're saved. I don't feel like people who, like Yasin said, I'm not saying people who fall, but people who live their life from that place, they're two different things. So there's somebody who lived their life, who will make a mistake. You know, that's the process of renewing of mind. And there's somebody that, that lived their life from that place. That is where they, it, it, if you're a Christian and you live from that place, I don't, from my experience, I don't see how that works. And that is my argument of, we are supposed to attain the certain level of, um, I mean, all the things that Peter said, like, oh, how did Jesus die to sin and all that stuff? 
yes, it's back to sin, uh, it's back to the guilt and the shame and the punishment of sin. But what was the result of that? What was the result of his life because of the way he died? Like, if we're going to say we're going to live like Jesus, we can't take a part of it and not be the other parts of it. But I don't know if I'm making, if I'm communicating myself properly, but that would be my two cents on it. Kind of make, makes a lot of sense, really. Um, and um, if I may, if I know, if I may just sort of, before I, I was making some points as people were talking and just sort of get into it a little bit, mm-hmm. is um, your question is, you know, should we be conscious of saying then, you know, and how do we live our lives and such like? I I, I, I have a, I'm, I'm going to throw some cautions out here in, in this, in terms of, um, the consciousness of sin and how that could have an effect on us, even though our posture is right and we're coming from a good place, right? Um, let me let me use some Bible verses and sort of get into it a little bit. Is um, here okay? Um, Hebrews Hebrews nine um, Hebrews nine nine. Hebrews 9, 9, I'll read. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make them who perform this, the service perfect in regard to their conscience, consci- uh, to their conscience, right? And then I'll go to um, Hebrews 10, and I'll read verses 1 and 2. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect for then they would have ceased to be offered for the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins right and the questions i'm the, the caution i'm throwing out there is this that you know there is this whole thing about you know being so sin conscious that even though it's birthed from a good place, what result is that it's not the way God wanted us to live. In a sense, I'm so conscious, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that I miss Jesus who is supposed to be in a room. I'm trying to live a life and I'm trying to get a, you know, live a life that would please him. And, but my posture is different. It's not correct. Let me use the analogy of driving. If I get in the car and I'm driving, and I'm sitting correctly, my hands on the steering wheel, and I'm looking forward, like my head is there, but my view is on the mirror, the inner mirror. Someone could look at me and think that my posture is correct. My view is there. I want to drive forward, but I, what will, I will end up doing is I'll keep swaying from left to right. So the posture and the motivation might be good, but if I'm so scene conscious, and not consumed with the consciousness of Jesus, what I'll end up doing, I'll end up on this seesaw. You know, one day I'm happy, today or tomorrow I'm bad because my performance will never be perfect. So I'll keep on being, you know, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And and, and, I, and I can go into, you know, there's a plethora of scriptures around this. What God would prefer is that we are more Jesus conscious, that we are more salvation conscious. And I'll use two things to explain that, right? Um, there was something that Toby said about the righteousness of faith. And I'm, I like that you actually told him to explain it, you know, in terms of what does this mean? You know, and righteousness means having right standing before God, right? We can never have right standing, whether we are Christians or before God with our works. We should come to that point that no matter how good we are, whether on our best of days as Christians, or on our worst of days as, or our best of days as sinners, it doesn't amount to nothing before God. Our standing before God is purely on the blood of Jesus, right? And so if you look at the Old um, Testament sacrifices, when someone sins, you're supposed to bring, you know, an animal sacrifice either, you know, and there are five sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, you know. Well, let's take, you know, the sin sacrifice, for example. You bring an animal, you know, depending on how rich you are, either a bullock or a sheep or two turtle doves and stuff like that, and you bring it. You walk away as forgiven and righteous in those terms by the reason of the blood of the animal, not by reason of because you did a good work or did something nice. It's just because of that blood. And so when we read it in Hebrews here and it says, listen, that, you know, 
if those sacrifices have worked in, in Hebrews 10 verse 1, you know, they will have stopped to being off, offered because there will be no more consciousness of sin. And so I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to just throw the caution in terms of there, what God would rather have us do is to be righteousness conscious. And I would sort of, before I sort of pass on the mic is let's think about this. Yeah, um, I would ask a question. Just following what you've said, just because yeah. of, um, and we can answer this, everyone can answer this in under 10 minutes. I think I'm just being very cautious of the people um, listening that we're not just using terminologies that, you know, everyone doesn't understand. Um, I think my question would be, everyone has said, you know, Mary also said um, very similar to what you said, um, we should focus on Jesus, we should focus on righteousness. And um, Toby did say we, we, we can be conscious of sin, but not from a place of condemnation. So I guess my question would be to you, you Mary, what does that look like for a normal Christian? What does it look like for me not to be conscious of sin, but to be conscious of holiness? And that's okay. what I was going to come to. Oh, okay. Good. All right. <laughs> do, do, do you want to go for it first? What, okay, I'll, I'll suggest, why don't people like kind of give us like the theology, so to speak, and I will give like a practical example of what I'm talking about in a day-to-day from my own experience, if that would, does that make sense? And yeah. you can kind of like merge that together. So do you want to kind of go and give your explanation and then I would, I, 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 I would just be very quick with this, you know, and I was, that's what I was going to come to you in terms of what does this mean and how does this look like on a day-to-day basis? And I'll go back to what, you know, Toby mentioned earlier. And he gave the analogy of, you know, Abraham and, you know, the Bible says that um, he believed God and God counted it for him as righteousness. One thing you will find consistent throughout the Bible is that God so much places a lot of weight on us believing him he throughout the whole bible consistent whether old testament new testament he he places a lot of weight on it right to the point that jesus will come and the price that jesus paid is just something that we would never be able to phantom he god made it but he made it so easy for us that all he said is believe just believe and then you see in romans um, one, it says that the just shall live by faith in the sense that I have done the work. I just need you to believe that I have done the work. I have paid for your sin, <laughs> everything, and I just need you to believe that I've paid for my sin. And so on a practical level is on a, my good day, on my bad day, on my worst when I'm feeling flimsy, when I'm feeling lousy, if I can find myself back to the point where I believe. And that's why, because, you know, there are a lot of questions we can ask, you know, I, for me, I found it, I never just made sense. I, 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 I believe, I just took it on. You know, Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's like, why are you ashamed of it? Like, why would you be ashamed? Because here's the thing, what Paul was saying that was so way out of sync with what, for people who, you know, we were, we, not just the um, Israelites, humankind, we like to do, we want to perform, you know, you do something nice for me. It's like, you know, I'm there, that thing is in us that we want to perform, you know? And, but then go, here's what Paul was saying, telling everybody. And so it must've been so way out of like normal realms that he's like, I'm not ashamed of this. And that what God requires of us is that you just believe. And then here's what happens on the other side of it is in Galatians, he says, he talks about the fruit of the spirit. But he does that with, he does that um, comparison, not with the fruit of the flesh. He does it the comparison with the fruit of the spirit and with the works of the flesh. And so here's how God made it so easy for us in the sense that if you do the part that just believe in me, I will work in you that this whole thing about living a holy life would be a fruit, not a work. It was something that would happen because you just believe in. It would be something that grows out of you. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long suffering, all of these things are fruits that kind of almost happen effortlessly. 
that kind of almost happen without you even being conscious of it, right? And so you're kind of living a holy life sort of like by mistake, like by default. And so it's a case where what this means is, and, 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 and okay, final, final scripture on this topic and I'll keep, keep quiet. Here's what Jesus says before he ascended. Um, and I'm sure we kind of know if you've grown up in Christian circles or in church, you know, Jesus was, you know, about to ascend and tells the disciples that, hey guys, I'm out, um, but I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit and he's going to do three things. Um, John 16, um, and, and he says about what the Holy Spirit would do. Um, John 16, verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I, if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he explains it, verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Um, uh, and, and, and here's what he says. The Holy Spirit will do three things. He will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But thank God he explains it. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. This is not for Christians, right? For Christians, this is what the Holy Spirit does in Christians. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And so when you're asking in a practical terms, it's like what the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians is that he keeps us reminding us that, hey, Jesus has done this work for you. And if we can just put our trust and believe in him, then the, haven't you noticed that the day that you feel like you're very connected to God, it's easy to just kind of just do the things that you wanted to do, to love people, you know, love people feel, you know, are the best that give love. And so it's like, when you're more, when you just believe that he's done the work, this fruit begins to grow out effortlessly you. Here's the sad part of it we tend to give the Holy Spirit a job that perhaps is not his, you know, part of his job. Because what, this is what Jesus said from his mouth. He will convince the world of sin. This is what I'm, I grew up believing, that the Holy Spirit will convict me of sin. But he says he will convict the day of sin because they do not believe. So once you believe, the criteria of what the Holy Spirit does in you is different. Right. And so like the main thing, God just plays a huge value is just believe that I've got the work covered. The more you keep focusing that, you will find that, that you begin to work in a way that is consistent with, you know, and being all this fruit of the spirit that God wants us to bear fruit, that God wants us to bear. And I would shut up. Mike muted. Thanks, Peter. I think you did stop explaining that. Um, I think I would, I would, I would, I mean, I'm so surprised no one's saying anything in the comment session, but um, I would go on to ask, um, and I know it might, it might sound really silly, but okay, I give my life to Christ. I accept Jesus. I believe in Jesus. What next for me on my own side? So I know the Holy Spirit would, you know, start his work of transformation fruit and all of that starts to work in me but what should I do is there anything for me to do I think that my answer would be there are anything you feed grows right and I heard this teach a while ago if you feed yourself of the things if you say you're Christian and you constantly feed yourself of the things of this world and you're so focused on that. And even though you call yourself, even though you believe that you're saved, like there is no way that your spirit, um, which this is what I feel like has happened. Once you give your life to Christ, your spirit man agrees with the spirit of God and they become one because your spirit man is already like in that state. It was yearning for that to happen. Now it is left for your flesh to now submit to your spirit, right? And so you can two things are happening your flesh is trying to be like i'm in charge here you're on earth and your spirit is like no you can subdue it and allow me to be in charge whatever which of those two things you feed constantly will become the strongest and one of them is going to overpower the other one and so it's not about doing it in a place of 
But I think the, the question is, the, the problem might be that many of us do it from a place of guilt and, oh, I pray, I read my Bible because I'm trying to tick something so that I can look like, or I can, I cannot feel that guilty thing in my mind, which we, I know I did feel when I was, you know, a younger Christian, and probably sometimes now, or I do, I do the fasting church, so I don't, I don't feel guilty. But it's from a, but when it comes from a place of love, it becomes that natural thing that um, Peter was trying to say in the sense of it just flows out of you. And so when you give your life to Jesus, I feel like you're supposed to be in relation with this guy, right? And that means you want to get to know him. And once you're getting to know him, you get to know yourself. That's where the renewing of the mind comes from. If you constantly pour yourself into getting to know, I, I, I gave this example a long time ago. I used to date a guy that wore face heart a lot. Like he just wore it all the time. He never asked me to wear a face heart, right? It just, but because I, I, I spent so much time with him and I saw the way he dressed, I automatically started liking the idea of myself wearing face hearts. And I started wearing face heart a lot. I don't do that anymore because we broke up. But yeah, I, I started doing that a lot. That's the same thing I feel like happens when you're with Jesus. You rub shoulders with this guy and then you just start seeing how he loved people in John. And then you just want to do that. And that's how you grow your spirit, man. And when your flesh is like, don't, don't be kind to that person. Your spirit's like, nah, that's not how I'm feeling. So I'm just gonna, you know, do it. It's natural. You're not forcing it to happen. Like I will give another example of myself. I used to, I'm such like, I will watch any, I don't believe that if you watch stuff on Instagram, it have any effects on you. I'm like, if you are too, if you are too spiritual. Me, I didn't think that was spiritual like that. So if I see someone, you know, talking in a video, I would just watch it, you know casually and I don't think anything happened and I just wait wait but recently I realized that I watched it and I just didn't enjoy it like I'm just like ah, why all this something I think it's, it's that new challenge where they put up with ah, it just became too much I was just like oh my sometimes you just need to not be seeing all this something it, it wasn't like as if someone said oh oh I felt guilty it was just a natural thing that came from just I don't know where it came from and I feel like that's how relationship with God happens now if i don't spend time with him if i don't spend time with learning about him which all obviously start making me know more about myself then i would not know those things that i would never be aware of them i would not change i would continue to say i'm a christian but i would believe in in the standard of the world and i feel like that is where that is the responsibility that is put on us to you know be to know more about him to push after him and kind of from that place it naturally flows for us to leave the life that we've been called to leave I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, amazing, amazing session, guys. I really, really enjoyed the session. We're almost out of time completely. I think we've learned so much today. I personally have, um, and I tr really tried to break down the question. So we go home knowing the answer to things. And I think overall, we've talked about the fact that our righteousness is, um, is from a place of faith. Um, and we talked about how, you know, not sinning is essentially believing in God and we talked about how that then transforms our lives when we you know try to work with the spirit man which is okay now I've, I believe in you what am I believing in um can I read let me read more about him let me try to talk to him more and then gradually gradually those fruits that Peter talked about starts to work in us and I think it's a good place for us to stop today and hopefully the next time we meet we can literally answer the question okay now i believe now the spirit is working is my salvation guaranteed or can i sin to a point of losing my salvation i'm so excited for next time um guys we would we would be answering that question finally <laughs> but yeah all of these just came from people's um curiosity and people just asking questions and we've just been going round and round and i think it's it's been so beautiful today was very very beautiful thank you every single person um that contributed um so yeah one thing i would like to say guys is we will be meeting on tuesday and thursday so it'll be one tuesday and one thursday and tuesday the next one will be a tuesday so just follow my um my constant broadcast message <laughs> but yeah it would be next tuesday please just bear that in mind and just bear with us because we're all working and we're all just trying to fit all of this in i really really hope that you guys have enjoyed today as much as i have so yeah with that being said let's just pray and close uh let me try it out there let me see i'm going to put somebody don't 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 fight me after this 
Yemi, <laughs> Yemi, you pray for us. <laughs> ah, Yemi is not with her phone. <laughs> no, I'm here. Okay, all right, pray. Father Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for blessing us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I thank you for being in the midst of us and providing us with the knowledge to contribute and speak our opinion and listen to the word and take it in. Father Lord, I thank you that you've protected us through all this COVID situation and all these COVID cases. And I pray that we will continue to turn to you whenever we have any problems faced. Father, I pray that you give us the, the gift of knowledge and the gift of understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you, everybody. I really hope you have an amazing weekend and see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing week, guys. And uh, I hope we didn't scare you off. <laughs> <laughs>